As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to the Progressive Britain podcast. This is the podcast with the unpopular opinion that progressive centre-left politics has a lot to offer the modern world. Theresa May is refusing to budge on her Brexit red lines, but is reportedly willing to amend the Good Friday Agreement on the same weekend a car bomb is set off in Derry. I'm Connor Pope and I'll be discussing the latest lack of Brexit developments with Stephanie Lloyd and Alison McGovern. Alison will also be speaking to Birmingham Yardley MP Jess Phillips about the launch of People's Voice, a series of events aimed at prompting more conversation about Brexit outside of Westminster. Shadow Brexit Secretary Keir Starmer gave a speech at the Fabian Society New Year conference over the weekend. What did you guys make of the speech? Well, obviously, like I wasn't there because I was watching Liverpool that <laughs> Most crucially. I mean, I've got opinions. Okay. I wasn't there. But... Are, are, do you have like bets with your friends to see how quickly you can mention Liverpool Football Club <laughs> in these podcasts? Because that was, I've got it in front of me. That was four seconds. That was, that was pretty good going. No, it's more just, it's more just like I was, I was actually at Anfield like and obviously anticipating the game ahead but also checking what was mm. going on at Fabian conference and there was a bit of me that was like should I be there <laughs> and I was like no what, what did people on the cop make of Keir Starmer's speech to Fabian conference this weekend they weren't that bothered <laughs> let's be honest it was a mad game of football they weren't that interested <laughs> Steph do you have any opinions not about 
the game at Anfield this weekend? I have no opinions on the game at Anfield, other than it did very well for me in my <laughs> fantasy football. But other than that, no, I wasn't. I wasn't there, uh, but I was on the I was on the doorstep mm. trying to get a good Labour councillor elected. Where were you uh, on the doorstep, sir? I was on the doorstep in my local CLP of Streatham. So we've got a council by election. So yeah, I was helping a very good friend Stephen, hopefully get elected and turn out more of the Labour vote. But anyway, yeah. So I thought it was a very good speech. I thought. Kira is very good at doing these kind of interventions in some of those set pieces. We saw it at a conference. We obviously saw another unplanned, rapturous round of applause in standing ovation when he mentioned Remain being on the ballot paper. It was, and that it was literally it. like a take two of the conference yeah. standing ovation, wasn't it? Yeah. That basically he kind of reaffirmed his commitment to the people who'd been in that big compositing room at conference. Mm. And, you know, I think it's sort of fairly well known now that basically Keir had made that commitment to them that mm. if they accepted some of the constraints around having a public vote, that Remain would be on the ballot paper. And uh, and I think that bond of trust with the party members and Keir is pretty strong. Isn't it, it is pretty strong. And I think, you know, he was talking through the situation as to where we were now and obviously where we were from conference. So obviously the ultimate aim was to try and get a general election. Obviously lost the vote of no confidence. That seems even less likely now. But then basically being very honest with the fact there are kind of two options left on the table, really. One is that Theresa May and the Conservatives accept what would be a kind of Labour deal in that sense. Mm. So along the six tests, customs union, single market access, which again also seems very unlikely. Uh, Theresa May seems to be doubling down in terms of her red lines because she's so good at reaching out to people. <laughs> and so he basically was the infirming, you know, if that isn't the situation, the only thing left on the table in terms of the wording that we have mm. at conference is a people's vote. And that is something that the Labour Party would be supporting. And, you know, it's very clear. I mean, we've seen lots of kind of commentators more on the left of the party kind of trying to rally around Jeremy's position and really try and make this big juxta, you know, really big divide between where proclaiming where membership are on conference policy is in Jeremy's position and saying that everybody pushing for a people's vote now is just trying to do it against Jeremy and this big anti-Jeremy thing, which is just ludicrous. But it's just not true, well, It's just it? a lie. It's just a total lie. Because firstly, like the Labour Party has been a pro-European party for a really, really, really long mm. time now. So that kind of understanding about the importance of our international relationships is really, really embedded in all bits of the movement like the kind of Lexiteer wing is like very, very small and very, very niche. Mm. So even if like, you know, the newer members that had come in to support Jeremy, if there was any evidence that they by and large, like didn't support Europe, we'd know it by now. But actually, mm. if anything, the feeling of pro-Europeanism has got stronger since we've had lots of new members. Mm. I think a lot of people kind of joined after 2017 mm. and feeling like Brexit needed to go in a different direction. This is it. I remember Labour Party conference with everyone walking around with the tote bags that was like, love Corbyn, hate Brexit. It was like, you're you're trying to create some form of divide here that just doesn't exist yeah. within the membership. But I thought it was really good of Keir to do, you know, I thought it was, he was very clear and, uh, you know, it's a very good very good to hear that level of clarity from him. Um, and obviously he was on the Mars show as well on Sunday. I think that's one of the things that he is really good at actually is, is, putting clarity within the policy of constructive ambiguity that apparently mm. Labour has on Brexit. Um, because I think one of the questions was about if there was a referendum, what would you do? Yeah. And he was just like, well, I would campaign for in and I would vote for in. Like, mm. My view on that hasn't changed. I would, I'd still think that's the right thing to do. I think that went down very well. And it's, it's interesting because stuff like that doesn't go against Labour policy, no. but there is a big question mark over it that frankly even hasn't though Jeremy, been. Even though Jeremy Corbyn 
himself voted Remain and was quite clear about that. Mm. Like, I, I completely understand why people sort of think about Corbyn's political background in terms of the Benite group and where Tony Benn was. And like someone who's, you know, Barbara Castle, who's a personal hero of mine, campaigned alongside Tony Benn mm. for us to uh, leave the common market. So that I understand why people, you know, think about Corbyn as part of that trend. But actually, he was quite clear about voting Remain. And yeah, sure, he didn't want to stand on a platform with David Cameron and George Osborne. But he also did campaign for Remain. Yet even still, there does seem to be a lot of questions. So actually, I think the more clarity we can get about the fact that Labour is a pro-European party. And if we do have another referendum on it, we will be campaigning for our European Union membership. I think the more that we can get clarity on that, then even, as you say, Connor, within the mm. ambiguity of the overall policy, simply because we don't actually know what the, what's going to happen and mm. what the government are going to do, we're in a very uncertain situation. I think that will help people see that, like... In the end, we do take a view on whether or not we're better in or out of the European Union. That's where we can do a shameless plug then for the Labour Say campaign that we that, that we just no, launched. That was not what was on my mind, Steph. <laughs> no, no. Well, if you also agree with that, you can obviously go to laboursay.eu and email your Labour MP if you have one. Or if you don't, you can email Jeremy as the leader of your party and uh, try and make sure that if that situation does come around where we get a people's vote, that that's exactly what it is that we're campaigning for is to remain in the EU. Excellent. What do we think of the kind of stuff that Theresa May talking about trying to secure amendments to uh, the Irish backstop and, and talking about amending the Good Friday Agreement over the weekend? Which she cannot do. Well, I mean, it was interesting that the, the Sunday Times obviously did this as a big front page splash. And actually the Sunday Times, in, it does an Ireland edition and the Irish edition had actually contacted the Irish government and went, what do you think of this? And they went, no, <laughs> essentially. So um, yeah. what, what, because, do, we, what do we think of the this? Good Friday Will it happen? The Good Friday Agreement not only is like, it's not only like registered with the United Nations and all of that kind of like global buy-in to that, but also it was secured with a referendum and 71% of people in Northern Ireland voted in favour of it. So if as other people think about the Brexit referendum, you think that referenda should somehow take precedence over other democratic events, which they seem to do, then they're sort of hoist by their own petard because like they're going to overturn the Good Friday Agreement, which itself was secured with a referendum. Mm. And obviously you need support from both the nationalist community and the unionist community in Northern Ireland in order to try and amend the Good Friday Agreement, considering that Stormont hasn't had uh, a government because of breakdowns in relations between politicians from both sides of those communities means that like how, how, is, how would you do it considering like, oh, they, they might just all come together to try and sort out a Westminster mess yeah. for some reason but it's like considering Theresa May had the biggest historic defeat of any Prime Minister ever I'm like can you please not go anywhere near the Good Friday Agreement like you just stay away stay away from it but why stop trying to do anything difficult you are deeply incompetent equally like I mean call me a kind of conspiracy theorist but also like, oh God, where are we I'm going? so excited about this <laughs> These newspapers that put these stories on their front pages over the weekend, mm. like what's their agenda? Because buried in the, I think it was the Telegraph story, was uh, some details about pro-European Tory ministers who would resign in the event of no deal. Now, they went for Good Friday Agreement might be altered mm. in pursuit of Brexit rather than... <laughs> Enjoy your headline voice. <laughs> rather than the little detail. Oh, and some Tory ministers... Actually, some cabinet ministers too might resign in the event of no deal, which seems to me to be the much bigger story. But maybe I'm just 
uber cynical about newspapers. I would genuinely listen to an audio book of you just like reading out of newspapers after that. That was fantastic. Why why do they not get me on that? What the papers say? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. that'd (laughs) be great. Um, If we're, you know, being conspiracy theorists, why don't don't we try and be mind readers as well? Because Yvette Cooper says that she thinks Theresa May actually wants Parliament to block no deal and that she's just kind of hoping that Parliament will do the hard work on that and she doesn't have to. Do you think there's an element of truth in that? The problem is with any of this is that no one wants to make an actual decision and have the consequences of it. So they're like, I would like to run a country. I, however, want no accountability or like actual blowback on any of the decisions I might make. (laughs) Hello, David Cameron. (laughs) But literally, I'm like, can you all just go away, please? It's like, you know, the idea that she sat there being like, well, I'm not going to make this decision, but other people want to make it for me. It's like chess. But that, I mean, Steph, that is the logic of where we are. So we've known that the Prime Minister was going to lose this vote for two months minimum, you know, maybe even more, depending on what their whips did or didn't know. So at that point in, you know, end of October, start of November, if you're a Prime Minister who's actually going to lead the country, it's incumbent upon you to take a decision and come forward with a plan. Whereas we're getting to the end of January now. It's only this week that the Prime Minister will actually come forward with any sort of plan B. And what that plan B seems to be is, I will consult Parliament and see what they want. I mean, lead, like come up with a way forward. Uh, but that seems to be, you know, not what the Prime Minister wants to do. So, so the next vote will be next Tuesday, won't it? Yes. I mean, there, mm-hmm. there may be other ways in which people introduce things before then, but I would be expecting the next important vote to be next Tuesday. So, yeah. But what happens before then? What does Parliament do this week? Uh, shout at each other a lot. Okay, like last time? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. The, the, I mean, I'm not going to watch that. The, the entire debate on the no confidence vote the other week was just incredible. It was like hours and hours of this stuff, just people saying what we already knew they thought. It's like, no one's even trying to convince anyone else here. They're just going to stand up and say, I, I think this, by the way. Yeah, because like, then they can clip it and put it on their Twitter and everyone's like, well done. Yeah, it's the least edifying spectacle. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think people are quite right to make impassioned speeches oh, yeah. about like, you know, especially... Yeah, we're just being cynical today. We are, we are, in, we are in a very cynical mood. It, there are, it, the reasons, there are reasons to be passionate about whether or not the Tories should be the government. Obviously, they should not be the government <laughs> and we're all very passionate about it. But it was, it was so predictable what was mm. going to happen. But anyway, so more of that for about a week and then, and then a vote. Yeah. Cool. I think we should probably leave it there because you've got Jess Phillips to talk to next. I know, and Jess and I have all the words. To <laughs> always, we have always all the chat. Cool. Well, do stick around for that right now. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. 
So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. So, hello, it's Alison McGovern. I'm the chair of Progress and I'm here with my very good friend and colleague. (laughs) colleague Jess Phillips. Hello. Hello Jess. Now I have got you into my office here to talk about Brexit because we never talk about it. I know it's I mean it's one of those great mysteries isn't it why people don't talk about it more. Never has so little been done by so many people in such a long time. Yeah I mean it is just phenomenal. My son asked me last week um what did you what happened at work like he'd obviously heard something exciting yeah. might happen and I was like literally nothing happened yes nothing nothing happened yeah uh, what do your kids think of Brexit they don't like it but I can't tell you why they don't like it I mean right. grooming um <laughs> <laughs> mainly um but they definitely don't like it but my kids uh go to school with loads of uh, kids who are from uh, came over during the sort of European migrancy, so I think they take it as a personal affront to like right. Charlie and their class sort yeah, of thing. Yeah. Um, like, how dare you be against my mates? Also, they uh, both because my brother lives in France and my nephews are French. Yeah, they have a, a sort of worldview where they were like, we want to go and be able to live somewhere else and. Uh, travel the world and work wherever we want. So I think they're slightly affronted on that. Yeah, my uh, my daughter is convinced that Brexit is about stopping us going on holiday. <laughs> She's absolutely convinced. That the roaming like, charges. My son is very, very worried <laughs> yeah, about roaming charges. He might actually have to talk to me on holiday. Oh, my <laughs> word. No. Oh, my days, we should say, <laughs> for the young people. Anyway, given that quite a lot of young people, actually, it's interesting because you, your constituency voted leave, didn't they? They did. Uh, 60 40 okay so quite a lot so that is quite a lot yeah, yeah, yeah. so do the young people in Birmingham Yardley sort of dislike Brexit as much as the young people everywhere or do you think it's different um I think it is different but people don't um I mean some of them get in touch with me and are uh, like really worried um as young people um but People really rarely talk to me about Brexit at home. That my constituents rarely bring it up. I have to bring it up with them to incite some sort of response. And usually you can get like a sort of quite a polarised response if you bring it up. But, you know, the same as if you'd talked about a, a football team or if you don't bring it up, it's not top of people's agenda where I live, Brexit, not yeah. at all. And so there is no... There is no big sort of marches through my constituency or anything. There's none of that going on. Like either way, like in fact. Either way. Yeah. I mean, if if like all MPs will have uh, had loads of emails from various campaign groups. Um, but, but I mean, the barrier to that sort of activity is quite low. Like all you have to do is like click Click through, the right? thing. Exactly. I've started inviting people who've said that they want uh, the, the new slogan for a, a no deal Brexit because no deal doesn't sound good. It's a bit like deal or no deal. Yeah. Um, is the clean global, isn't it? That's yeah, what yeah. they keep saying. Clean global. I've had a couple of people. And so instead of giving them my response, I just reply back and say, why don't you come in and chat with me about what a clean global uh, Brexit looks like? And mostly people don't realise that they've 
even sign the thing. They, <laughs> yeah. they don't want to come in and chat about it. They're busy. They've, <laughs> yeah, got, they've, a got, they've got loads of other shopping. things to yeah. do. Exactly. Little has some amazing new central aisle <laughs> bargains. <laughs> the scuba masks to be had for scuba diving you will never do. Yeah, can't um, be going to see your MP to talk about a clean Brexit and what that means. I've had quite a few recently as well saying, well, if you want a people's vote, what would the question be? And... Uh, and I said, why don't you come in and we could chat about yeah. it. What do people, you think it should be? People never want to come in and chat <laughs> about it. They just want to sort of air their opinion. But if I were to look at the polling of those people who got in touch with me, it's vastly, vastly more people who either want another referendum or they want to remain. So let's get on to this. I wanted to ask you about <laughs> something that you said recently, uh, which I violently agreed with <laughs> uh it's, it is actually it is actually we ought to be like disagreeing here because that oh. would make more entertaining podcasts oh, sorry that we'll that's just, gonna happen <laughs> i don't think it is gonna happen but we're just gonna violently agree instead so the whole people's vote campaign mm-hmm. malarkey you said it was what full of posh white men well yeah i said it's a bit posh and it's a bit london right uh, right, and, right 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 uh, th- so those are my two complaints about it but and by actually, london we don't i mean we don't mean proper south london do we? no <laughs> no no we're not down Brixton market (laughs) talking about it um no I mean that I mean it it has slightly too many of the hallmarks of uh campaigns I've been part of in the past in that it's many of the same people Uh, um but it just feels sometimes a little bit certain of itself yeah um and what I really violently dislike about the uh, clean global Brexit um, is how violently certain people are of their position. And I think that that's where we went wrong last time. Um, and so we've got to think about how we talk about it going forward. Otherwise, we're, we're just going to end up in exactly the same position. And I, I think that sometimes the, I mean, for a start off, I think that the People's Vote campaign, like the massive, um, thing they did here the big march in london yeah the 700,000 700,000 people yeah the first time i ever heard about it i was at cheltenham literary festival <laughs> and a woman gave me a leaflet for it um to ask me if i wanted to get a coach from cheltenham i said well, i don't live in cheltenham i'm just <laughs> i'm just here for the day and i'm sure there were lots of people uh who went from birmingham but it didn't it didn't even reach me that it was happening and i'm a Westminster politician and I just then thought I think we might might just be talking to a select group of people and that worried me then um also I think that if marching and street stalls changed the world and yeah. won elections We'd the SW well, the SWP would be in power wouldn't they yeah they would <laughs> wouldn't they yeah, thank goodness for that, eh? <laughs> thank goodness it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, okay, so let me like, I think, so So basically our criticism is they're too certain of themselves. They're a bit certain and that comes from, I think, a little bit boyish. It's a bit boyish. It can be a bit boyish. And they've, they've, they have really tried, and I'm part of this campaign now, yeah, you yeah, know. Yeah. They, they have really tried recently to uh, be talking about women as well. And But yeah, so it's, it's a bit... 
it's a it can see it can come across as a bystander as a little bit um aggressive at times and, and maybe that's because i'm looking at it on twitter and twitter is a naturally aggressive platform yeah although um speaking of naturally aggressive the last person to do this podcast was alistair campbell <laughs> <laughs> i mean when i said it's sometimes coming across as aggressive on twitter i think that's what i was talking yeah. about <laughs> so so i said to him like look you know a lot of our constituents expect us to be able to hold an argument, right? They expect us to be able to, if they do want to have a robust debate, you know, especially if you've knocked on their door, right? If you knock on someone's door and say hello, you know, yeah. just around to say hello. Is there Balls issues? in their court. Yeah, like they can say what they like, right? Because yeah. you've interrupted their tea. Yeah. So they do expect us to be able to have a debate. But I'm very conscious that if politics becomes like a shouting match, which it does sometimes, that has a knock-on effect on people who aren't us. Yeah. And a lot of my constituents, not only do they not raise it because, you know, they've got other things on. Yeah. You know, they're normal, busy. But also they don't raise it because they don't like it. Yeah, they, they don't want to get into an argy-bargy. Exactly. Lots of people said that to me. I don't know how to talk to my family about it because I don't want to cause a row, but I disagree with... I mean, I had some friends at Christmas who genuinely didn't go and see some of their family members. And when I say family members, I'm not talking like great aunties. I'm talking mums and dads. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, because they you know or they limited it so that the conversation couldn't come up or made rules about how they weren't allowed to talk about it wow um because people that you're right your average voter your average citizen doesn't want to enter into a massive slanging match they want to have conversations and they they want to be able to say that they don't know yeah and actually if you're a bit certain and all one way about something people are much less likely to be able to process their own views on it because they won't be able to it's it's just like imposter syndrome isn't it? it's what women have been putting up with forever is that we didn't say oh hang on a minute i don't actually know what you're talking about because that would have meant everybody thought oh stupid woman in the meeting yeah. but actually nobody in the meeting knew what was being talked about exactly. nobody wants to speak up and say and actually it just pushes it marginalizes people a little bit so i mean i did a thing with the people's vote uh, in birmingham on saturday and it was called um the people's voice the people's voice thanks Alison I, I, saw, I know but I saw it on your insta before <laughs> and instagram uh, has some uses and um I it was much more about listening to each other and there were some leave voters and some quite strident uh clean global <laughs> <laughs> brexit people in the room and they 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 got a fair hearing and yeah. we had a bit of a conversation and some of it was really moving what some people were saying and there were some people who wanted a Norway plus it was a bit like being here in the tea yeah. room yeah and that was much much better the sort of the allowance of doubt and the allowance of just doesn't you know there's no wrong answer you know we're not all going to shout you down if you say something that we don't agree with and that was much much better and I, I hope and I will gladly work with the people's vote to do much more of that sort of stuff yeah that's good okay final question the other big criticism I suppose that we have to face up to is the fact that we did lose last mm -hmm. time so you know progress is uh saying that Labour should lead the campaign if we do get a future referendum that that we should lead the campaign for our EU membership. Mm -hmm. And it always, it feels a little bit like coming off the back of George Osborne's sort of, you know, project fear. Mm. And Cameron and Osborne really were convinced that all they had to do was say to people like, you will be poor, you will lose your jobs. 
seeming to have forgotten the fact that they had already they made people quite poor to begin their with. Jobs, yeah. yeah, exactly. They'd already like sacked like hundreds of thousands of public servants yeah. and you know. So what what does what does a positive campaign look like in your view, Jess Phillips? Well, the the difference now is is that we're not arguing for the status quo, which I think is easier. We are arguing for something different. We are arguing to change the way our country not is projected, but it, as it is today. Because Brexit is what's happening. It, Brexit is what is happening. So the the it's always easier. It's always easier actually to be the underdog, and it's always easier to um, to fight a change. Yeah, because it's much more inspiring to fight a change than it is to just be like down with this sort of thing <laughs> careful uh, now. yeah careful now don't don't upset the Steady apple cart <laughs> exactly it's much harder and my husband who is like an actual passionate european citizen like passionately so and also like is is the author of actually half your twitter is he not uh, well i'll just repeat what he says yeah because he's really really funny yeah. um but very in a very sly way um but he was like, I just can't, I just can't vote with David Cameron. <laughs> he was yeah. like genuinely yeah. like, this is, this is no good for me. Jess. Yeah, I, I feel like I'm voting for David Cameron. And yeah. I, I, I can't, I can't be having I, that. I think a lot of people were in that boat, weren't they? Yeah, it was like... I, think, I think so. And I think that it wasn't, it wasn't along the political lines that people ordinarily yeah. understand, trust rightly or wrongly for their own family's benefit. And so it was com- it was confusing on that ground so for people like my husband. It was yeah. like, hang on a minute, I think we should stay in the European Union. But if David Cameron's saying it, I'm almost certainly going to impoverish my children. You know, <laughs> yeah. lose their teachers, their jobs. Yeah. Nurses will be bankrupt, and because so, that will be one in the eye for David. So Cameron. he was just like, what? Yeah. Um, so I think that, but I think that there there is a real there is a real positivity to be had, but. I have to say the Leave campaign won for all sorts of reasons, but one of the things that was better about their campaign, and it was better, there's no two ways about that, is that they didn't give a toss about the rules and they didn't care give a toss about common decency. And the whole Michelle Obama, when they go low, we go high, I think we should go low. And there we have it. And I think that is the point at which we are probably just about <laughs> run out of time. Although, Jess, you must actually listen back to the Alistair Campbell uh, podcast that we last did because uh, regular listeners of this podcast and readers of London's Evening Standard will know that it starts off with an anecdote of Alistair and I having just walked in to do the podcast after having told Boris Johnson that he ruined our country. <laughs> I love to uh, tackle Boris Johnson in the corridors. He literally cannot. He, he he's go. eyes to the floor. I mean, he's not a fighter at all, is no, he? He's not no. a brawler. No. He can't take any sort of confrontation. No, no. When he, he said all that stuff about Muslim women and he was just going to Birmingham, I bumped into him on the escalator. I was like, enjoy Birmingham, <laughs> Boris. <laughs> Yeah, famously had to come to Liverpool once to uh, to apologise <laughs> to the city, you know, because he he kind of I forget what he called us. More, we had mawkish sensibilities. That's, that's what he said, which I think means cry. You cry a lot. Oh, really? It's like, yeah, it's like can't really help it. Anyway, so uh, yes, standing up to people who need to be standing up, stood, stood up, up to. to. That mm. is in fact where we will leave it. Thank you, Jess, for being on the Progressive Britain podcast. No worries. Each week we ask a political pub quiz question which is then answered on Friday's show. 
May's withdrawal bill prompted the biggest government defeat in history. But prior to that, what was the biggest Tory rebellion in modern political history? Let us know if you think you've got the answer, which we'll reveal on Friday's extra episode. And thanks very much for listening. been listening to the progressive britain podcast the music was when in the west by blue dot sessions licensed under creative commons and many thanks to the brilliant caroline crampton who produced this podcast Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.